Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you. If we haven't met before, glad you're here. My name's Ethan Magnus, one of the pastors, and boy, you're here on a good day. I think we're going to have a good time together as we talk about following Jesus. Uh, before we jump into that, though, I've uh, got a couple things i got to go over. One is some announcements for men and women. Uh, women, we got a women's retreat coming up in March. You're going to get one of these flyers on the way out the door. I hope you'll pay attention to this. Uh, we want to sell this place out, and we're well on our way to doing that I'm supposed to tell you register soon uh, we have scholarships available if that makes it easier for you to go so please communicate with to Janet Galante about that um, likely to sell out so if you're planning to go please register now uh, men uh, the ladies get a three-day retreat at a mountain cabin and we get a two-hour breakfast from Bojangles so it's basically the same thing uh, but February 8th we got a great team getting ready to launch a uh, men's breakfast we, we think it'll be a useful tool to connect men build some relationships and also launch some groups from that so that's February 8th uh, just showing up for that we're gonna have plenty of food and look forward to having you there on February 8th you'll see more details of that as we get closer I got one other big announcement. Um, it's about this fella. Uh, in 1968, he was recruited uh, by Wilbur Reed Jr. Uh, some of you know him. He used to, he used to be on staff at this church way back in the day. Uh, this, this guy in 1968 was recruited by Wilbur Reed Jr. Uh, to serve in what was then called the radio ministry. In 1972, its name was changed to the Radio and TV Ministry, and this guy uh, transitioned to the TV side of things, sort of the head of that project. In 1988, this ministry added on a TV Sunday School class, uh, one of the first of its kind, that is still going on today, all these years later. It's watched by thousands of people. In 1994, he joined our staff full-time, and some of you already know by now that I'm talking about Phil Torbett. Give him a big round of applause as Phil comes up here on stage here. <laughs> Phil loves this. Phil loves being on stage. If you don't know Phil Torbett, if you don't know Phil Torbett, that's because most Sundays he gets here before any of you all even wake up. We lock him in the closet back there in the back, and he's not allowed to leave till about 1.30 in the afternoon. So if you don't know Phil, that's because he's trapped in that uh, little closet back there in the back. Um, Phil, for a long time, uh, full-time since 94, but part-time before that, has been our Minister of Media and Communications. Uh, he, like I said, he's uh, served this whole time, not just in that official role, but all just as one of the best pastors for our church. He does hospital visitation, he does funerals, he calls on families, he's shaking hands in the hallways, just one of the friendliest, most loving people you will ever meet. And today, uh, we are announcing uh, that Phil is retiring from his role in media and communications. Um, and just again, so in case you lost track of the math, he's been in this role since for 52 years. That is amazing. more news. You might want to clap again, so we got to keep moving, because I've got even better news. Uh, not, only, uh, not only do I get to announce that, 
I also get to, got some better news. Uh, you may know about 18 months ago, we added to Phil's role uh, some attention with our senior adult ministry. And he's done a fantastic job over the last 10, 18 months, relaunched some programs that had kind of fallen off the rails, launching a bunch of new programs, connecting people, events, bringing new people into the church. So even though Phil is retiring from the role he's had since 1968, he has already found a part-time job to keep him busy. Uh, and that part-time job is right back here with us. So he will continue, uh, he'll continue to serve part-time as our minister to senior adults. So he'll still be around. In fact, you'll probably see a lot more of him because he won't be trapped up in the booth and he'll be in the halls. Uh, he'll still be helping with technology in our Sunday school classrooms, keeping the phones working and a bunch of stuff like that. He's got some skills that you just can't reproduce. So we got to keep him working there too. Um, but even though he's still going to be around, this is a major milestone. Uh, we're going to celebrate big time uh, on February 23rd. We're going to have a big retirement party for him. Uh, what Phil has requested is an open mic where we all can take turns telling embarrassing stories. So since that's what, since that's what Phil wanted, that's what we'll do. So if you have an embarrassing story that you want to share on February 23rd, reach out to me so we can make sure Phil is thoroughly embarrassed at that. But no, it's going to be awesome. This is a long ministry. Um, two things before we close. One is, I tell you, um, please, if you're serving anywhere in our church, please don't forget to grab some kid and ask them to serve with you. You know, I really, because we're going to talk about Phil's story too, but for just a second, we got to remember that story started when Wilbur Reed Jr. saw a squirrely 14-year-old and said, hey, come join the radio ministry. And the whole trajectory of his professional life got changed by that guy who saw something in him and called him into ministry. So would you, would you do that if you're serving anywhere in this church? Find a teenager and ask him to help you. You might just change their whole life. Second thing is, I do think we're going to one more time give this guy a round of applause. 52 years serving our communications ministry. All right. And now back to first things first, or I guess today it's first things third, since we had two other things we had to do first, but you know what I'm saying, okay? Uh, the, the whole idea here is that we're taking our normal welcome class that we do for guests and visitors to get to know our church, and we're kind of turning it in to a series of weekends, uh, so that we all kind of know uh, what's going on in the welcome class, but also just to remind all of us who we are and, and what is God calling us to as a church. So far, we've talked about the big picture, what do all Christians believe, and then we zoomed in a little bit to this movement of churches. What, what kind of church is First Christian Church, and, and what should you know about our kind of churches? And today, I want to focus just a little tighter in on this local church. Who are we? What are we trying to do? What motivates us? How do we make decisions? How do we know to do this or this? You can't do everything, and how do we know where to spend our money, and how do we set our priorities? What motivates this local church. Uh, if I had to give a different title to this sermon, I might call it this. How do we follow Jesus in four sentences? How do you follow Jesus in just four sentences? Because following Jesus, remember, that is the thing Jesus asked us to do. Uh, Jesus doesn't go around saying, believe in me a bunch, or join my church, what he says is, follow me. 
Mark 1, 16, Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon, his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Mark chapter 2, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him. He began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Mark 8, 34, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. In case you didn't know it, that is the thing Jesus is asking you to do. Jesus is asking you, inviting you, challenging you, even commanding you to follow him. And you can spend a lifetime learning how to follow Jesus and you still won't be done. But you can get started following Jesus with just four sentences. And that's who we are as a church. Just a, a bunch of people trying to follow Jesus. And some of us around here aren't very good at it, so we needed the simplest version we could come up with, okay? So if you feel like you're not good at following Jesus, you're going to fit it right in here perfectly because we're not very good at it either. So we needed the simplest version we could come up with. So here it is. Each one of these is a command that Jesus gives us. Following Jesus in four sentences, this is who we are as a church. Number one, love God. Number two, love everyone. Number three, tell your story. And number four, make disciples. Those, all these sentences are from Jesus. They're all commands he gives to those who would follow him. Those first two are from what we call the great commandments, because Jesus calls them that. And those last two, tell your story and make disciples, are what we typically call the great commission, because they're the two big instructions that Jesus gives us in between his resurrection and his ascension. I just want to talk about these real quickly just to make sure we know what we're talking about here. The, the first sentence, if you want to follow Jesus, the first sentence is love God. This one's straight from Jesus, Matthew 22, among other places. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? This was a common question to debate, and you can imagine the pious answer they expected, right? The answer they expected might have been something like this. Well, there is no greatest commandment, because they all come from God, therefore they're all equally important. You know, some sort of weaselly philosophical way to get out of the trap. But Jesus instead just cuts through it and answers the question like the question makes sense. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus isn't inventing this commandment. It's a quote from Deuteronomy. The commandment is already in God's word. He's just saying this is the place to start. I love that he calls it the first and the greatest. Uh, and, and these are distinct claims. The greatest is saying it's the primary, it's the most important. But to say it's the first is to remind us that it is our obedience to this commandment out of which all the rest of our following flows. This is the first one you've got to do if you, you want to grow as a follower of Jesus. It means more, of course, than something about your emotional life, although it includes that. 
To say love the Lord your God is, is about your affections, your desires, your attention. Are they attuned to God? In, in your life, are your affections and desires and attention attuned to God rather than to things of this world? To say love the Lord your God is about your allegiance. Have you at some fundamental level said that God is the Lord of all lords in your life and no other Lord, no other commander has power over him? To say you love the Lord your God is about your actions. The patterns and rhythms of your life are designed to give God glory, not to steal glory for yourself. And Jesus just says, if you want to follow me, this is the first thing you need to do. So I, I put it this way. If you're following Jesus, then you have made a commitment to love God. And if you haven't made such a commitment, well, then at least in this one way, you're not following Jesus. And that's the thing he asked you to do. All right, second sentence. We're going to keep it simple here. Love everyone. It comes from the same chapter there, among other places, uh, right after he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. He goes on to say, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Elsewhere in the Gospel of John, he says this, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What's interesting, uh, love the Lord your God is the first commandment, the one out of which all the other following flows. But this is the identifying commandment. Jesus says, this is the one that will make you recognizable. This is how they will know you're one of my people because you love everybody. It's fascinating. Throughout Jesus' ministry, you can look in the Gospels and see how intentional Jesus is to make sure we get the point that the love for neighbor includes everyone. Jesus goes out of his way to make sure we know we should love neighbors and church members, but we should also love outsiders and strangers. He make, goes out of his way to make sure you know you should love the people of your nation and the people of other nations. Jesus makes it clear you should give special attention and love to young people because they are really hard to love. And he says you should give special attention and love to the elderly because they are easily forgotten. Jesus even makes a point to teach that we should love our enemies even when they are actively working against us. Jesus is specific in all these ways so that we can't get confused and think that the love other command of Jesus somehow applies to some narrow group that we get to pick who it applies to and who it makes sense for. And I just tell you, I think this is a challenge for the church. I have a theory why. Uh, loving God is hard. I, it is. Uh, but, but at least God deserves our love, right? 
God deserves our affection and God deserves our allegiance and God deserves our adoration. But loving people, I mean, have you met people? Right? Like some of them are obnoxious. They don't deserve our love. And so you can see how it might be easy to say, okay, I'll love God. I'll follow Jesus that far. But when you ask me to follow you to the love people thing, like I'm going to make a list of, you know, the, and, and so Jesus is super intentional when he says, you know, it, it's got to be everyone, even the young and even the old and even the insider and even the outsider and even your friend and even your foe and even the people like you and the people who aren't like you and the people who don't like you and then he says oh and by the way depending on how good you are at this that's how people will know whether you're you're with me or not like this is the thing this is the thing that's going to tell them whether you're my people and I think maybe we need to be a little bit humble at this as a, as a people as God's people that we're probably not as good at this as we wish we were you know, like if the only way they could tell whether we were Christians or not was because it was whether or not we loved people that were mean to us, I'm not so sure they'd be able to tell, you know, if we didn't also have the bumper stickers and the t-shirts and all that, you know. And Jesus says, this is the way. This is the way I want them to know. It's why I love this thing we do called Love Month around here. It's coming up here in a couple weeks. Sign-ups are available. It's just, it's part of our decision to say, we, what we do here is follow Jesus, and what he told us to do is love other people. So at least for one month, we're going to get serious about loving people just as practically as we can and hope maybe it becomes a habit and we kind of get in the, in the role of it and just start loving people more often. Jesus says this is how they're going to know. So, Loving Jesus and following Jesus in four sentences. If you are following Jesus, you have a commitment to love everyone. And if you don't have such a commitment, well, I just want to challenge you because at least in that way, you're not following Jesus. All right, third sentence. Jesus tells those who follow him to tell our story. People who follow Jesus talk about Jesus. People who have met Jesus tell people about that. People who have been loved by Jesus, they tell about the love of Christ in their life. And this has been true since the very, very beginning. It's the way the whole thing got started. Uh, look at this, just this little snapshot from the Gospel of John, John 1.35. Uh, the next day, John, this is John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he tells them about Jesus. He says, look, the Lamb of God. That's what John knew about Jesus. He tells people what he knows about Jesus. Verse 37, when the two disciples heard him say this, they started following Jesus. I mean, get this moment just for a second, right? Like, so John is walking with his posse, right? And they see Jesus over there. And he says, oh yeah, that's the Lamb of God. And these two guys who are following John, they're just like, okay, I think we're going to follow the Lamb of God then. Like John is like sending people away from following him and telling them they should go follow Jesus instead by testifying what he knows about Jesus. And then look what happens. Turning around, Jesus saw them following because that's what we do with Jesus when we follow him. What do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, he said, you'll see. They went where he was staying. They spent the day with him. It was four in the afternoon. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, 
was one of the two who heard what John said and had, there it is, followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to go find his brother, Simon, and tell him, we found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Think how little Andrew knew about following Jesus. He'd followed him for like four hours. And he's already he's telling the little he knows to someone who doesn't know. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, You are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter, which means rock. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, this is another guy, he says to Philip, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael's not buying it. He says, Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? And I love this. Notice, Philip does not pick an argument. He doesn't know enough. He's followed Jesus at this point for like 10 minutes. How can he prove anything to his skeptical friend? He just says, I don't know. Come and see. Come and find out for yourself. This is what it means to tell your story. People who follow Jesus tell other people about Jesus. Maybe not much. Maybe they don't know much. The biblical word for this is to be a witness. And this is, what we, we, I said this is part of the Great Commission. This is one of the, the specific tasks that Jesus gives us as he prepares to leave uh, the world after his resurrection. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, we get very confused about this notion of witness, right? Like maybe you've heard people go witnessing and you think what they mean is to go stand on the street corner and yell at people or that they've got to memorize a whole bunch of arguments so they can prove everything and answer every objection and convince everybody and never get stumped by a question and know everything there is to know and argue with everybody. That isn't what witnessing is at all. Witnessing is just to tell the truth about what you've seen. In this case, tell the truth about what you've seen about Jesus. It's just like in a courtroom, right? Like if a witness makes up stuff, that's a crime. They go to jail for that. On the other hand, if a witness refuses to testify, that's also a crime. They can go to jail for that. The witness's job is just to tell the truth about what they've seen. And you all have heard me say this to you before, but I really believe if you, if, you wanna, if you wanna figure out how to be an evangelist for God, it's really this simple. Be honest about what you've seen and tell people that. Like, I don't know much. I'm just saying when we were in trouble, the church came through. I don't know much. I'm just saying this one time I was on my knees praying and God answered the prayer. I don't know much. I'm just saying when I really put my eternal hope in Christ, I don't worry as much. That's not much, but that's what I got. If you would just tell the truth about what you do know about the glory and goodness of God, the people around you would actually be interested in that. And then if they say to you, well, what good can come from Nazareth? Just say, I don't know. Good question. Come and see. Let's go find out. Let's go see if Jesus shows up, if Jesus can prove himself like he did in my life. Just, just tell what you've seen. See, I, I just, just want to kind of share with you a little bit that people who are following Jesus 
have a strategy for telling their story. Um, we was talking to a guy a couple weeks ago, and uh, he, he just started coming to the church, been here two or three times. Uh, is he good to have you? Blah, 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 we're talking. I say, what brought you here? And he says, oh, a friend of mine invited me. I said, oh, awesome. How long has he been coming here? And he says, he's been coming here about six months. I said, oh, that's great. And we got talking, and I said something like, well, that's awesome. Why did he invite you? Or what prompted him to invite you? Or whatever. He says, oh, well, he just said that when he started coming here, everybody he met was so friendly to him and so kind to him. They talked to him. He got invited to a Sunday school class. He just so felt welcome. And here's what he said. He said, when I come to church, I don't feel lonely and I feel lonely most other places now obviously you're thinking what I'm thinking he didn't mention my sermon one time (laughs) he didn't mention the worship he didn't mention the Holy Spirit nothing just he didn't feel lonely and see that's what witnessing is what is his testimony today his testimony is that when I show up with the people of God I am not alone and that's a pretty good testimony So if that's the testimony you've got, give that testimony and trust that if you will tell the truth about how God has been good to you and how God has served you and how God has blessed you, that God will bear the fruit that needs to bear. God will take care of the rest. You go back and look at John. They had nothing. Like John knew one thing. That's the Lamb of God. I don't know much about him. He's my cousin, but we haven't spent a lot of time together, but I know he's the Lamb of God. And then, boom, that's enough for me. Philip's like, we've met the Messiah. And Nathaniel's like, how do you know? And Philip was like, come to think of it. I don't know the answer to that question. Let's go check it out. You see, they just told what they saw. People who follow Jesus have a strategy for telling their story. And, and if, you, if you aren't working on that, if you aren't looking for ways to tell your story, then at least in this way, you're not yet following Jesus. Four sentences for following Jesus. Jesus calls us to make disciples Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Discipleship is your decision to invest in the faith development of someone else, to help someone else follow Jesus better. That's what it is. It's, just, it's your decision. I'm going to do what I can to help them follow Jesus better. And, and, and Jesus says that if you are following him, then you will help somebody else follow him too. Like you will make disciples. And some of you are out there thinking, Ethan, you don't understand. I hardly know anything about following Jesus. I'm just getting started. Like I didn't even know these four sentences. I'm a total beginner at it. Like maybe you're thinking, I only know one thing about following Jesus. Great. Teach somebody that. Like super, you're a disciple maker. That's all. If you know one thing about following Jesus that you can share with somebody else and you're just like, this has helped me follow, you know, all I know so far is go to church. It's really helped me follow Jesus. You could go to church. Boom, you're a discipler. Awesome. That's the thing. And maybe you're like, maybe you've been a Christian a long, longer and you like know three things about following Jesus. Awesome. Teach somebody all three things that you know. Or maybe you're like, you've been a Christian for like 40 years and you now know seven different things about following Jesus, which is super because you're three ahead of me. I only know four. But anyways, so great. You know seven things about following Jesus. Awesome. 
teach somebody those seven things. Like there, there's no level of beginner with following Jesus that you can't help somebody else also. And, and so around here, we, we just ask the question. We, we, and we think, you know, we, we, we think we love each other well enough to just be straight with each other. We just ask the question, who are you discipling? Can you tell me the person where you have made an intentional decision to help them follow Jesus better? Maybe it's a group you lead, or maybe it's an individual, or maybe it's some one-on-one, or it's somebody from work that you're taking out to lunch. They might not even know you're discipling them, but you've made an intentional decision to help them follow Jesus. Because it's, here's the thing, if you're following Jesus, then you have a strategy for making disciples. Because he told us to do it. So if you're following him, you, you've got a strategy for this. And I, again, just to be real tender, but if you, if you don't have a strategy for helping other people grow in their faith, then at least in this area, you're not yet following Jesus. So, so that's who this local church is. We are just a bunch of people who heard Jesus say, follow me. And we said, okay, we're in. And we're trying to follow Jesus together. I want to be super clear. We are not very good at it, all right? We mess up at following Jesus all the time. So if you feel like you'd like to follow Jesus, but you're not very good at it either, you'll fit in around here perfectly, okay? It's also why we keep it super simple because even though we're not good at following Jesus, we are committed to following Jesus. We are never gonna change our focus as a church to anything else than just following our Lord Jesus Christ because that's the thing he keeps telling us to do. Everywhere he goes, he says, follow me, follow me. As soon as he tells us to do something else, we'll do that. But for now, he keeps saying, follow me. And because we're committed to it, but not very good at it, we try to keep it really simple. We just try to boil it down to these four sentences. These are the four things we're trying to do. We're trying to love God. We're trying to love everyone. We're trying to tell our story. And we're trying to make disciples. Would you join me in prayer that God might bless that effort? God, this is us. Laid before you with all our failures and weakness trying to follow Jesus. God, we are trying to love you. But the truth of the matter is, our trying isn't going to be what gets it done. It's going to be your spirit that transforms us. And God, we're, we're trying to love everybody, but it's not going to be our trying. It's going to be the grace of Jesus Christ that has so overwhelmed us that we start to pour out that grace to others. Would you do that for us? God, I pray for some people that, that need to make a decision to tell their story. You've actually done some good in their life. You, you, you've blessed them. You've comforted them. You've cared for them. You've given them hope and faith. And they need to tell people that. I'm praying for some people right now. I'm praying for some people that need to step into the life of discipleship, of trying to bless and raise the faith of another person, train, teach them to walk in you. I'm praying for some people who need to follow you in that way. And I pray for this whole church that we would never lose our focus. We would always remember that we are called to follow Jesus. And by your grace, God, we will follow you home.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.